steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Unbelievable. Vikings win it. Unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Riddell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we have a very special episode. And I believe this is actually the first time that we've done this uh, on the Unbelievable podcast. So, uh, we have a guest today. And we have a very special guest. That is Zach Jacobson. Please introduce yourself, Zach. Say hello to our fans. Hello, fans. <laughs> very, Zach, very happy to be the uh, apparent first guest. You are, yeah. So, uh, Zach, I assume a lot of our audience is already well aware of who you are. But if you're not, Zach is a Packers guy. He covers the, the Green Bay Packers for PackerReport.com. You can find him on Twitter at Zach A. Jacobson underscore. Um, feel free to reach out to him with any of your, uh, your Vikings-related concerns for him. I'm sure he will do a great job acknowledging you and uh, – having some fun with you on Twitter.com. Um, he is Drew and I's favorite Packers follow, so I highly, highly encourage you to uh, join him on that Twitter machine. But for today, what we're going to do is we're going to have Zach defend the Packers draft. And on the flip side of that, we are also going to have Drew and myself defend the Vikings draft to Zach, which, based on our pre-show conversation, I don't know how much defending Drew and I are going to have to do. But, I'll, but however... Zach will have quite a bit of defending to do. So that's going to be the meat of the, meat of the show today. We'll see what else pops up. Um, but we're trying to have some fun here. Um, it is post-draft. We have started to hit that little bit of a lull uh, between now and, I guess, whenever the season's going to start. I suppose we don't really have a defined timeline given the situation. But, uh, yeah, that's the game plan for today. So let's just hop right into it here. And I'll start off here by just letting you guys know who the Packers selected. And you guys can enjoy this for a, real, for a second here while uh, Zach has to kind of endure it, I suppose. So first-round pick is quarterback Jordan Love. Let's make a note here that they did trade up to get him. you got running back A.J. Dillon. Third-round pick is tight end Josiah DeGuara. And those will be the main focuses here for the show today. But they also did bring in Kamal Martin, linebacker, Joe Runyon, offensive tackle, Jake Hansen, center, Simon Stephen, offensive tackle, <laughs> Vernon Scott, safety, and Jonathan Garvin, defensive end. So, Drew, you are the one who yeah. brought up the Packers. And this is honestly, this was your idea to bring Zach on here oh, yeah. and have him defend the draft. So why don't you, first of all, state your gripe with the Jordan Love pick as if we don't already know what it is. Yeah, well, this was my idea. I know Zach's good sport, so uh, I know this is, you know, uh, my roasts will not be, uh, there will not be a bad blood about this, but uh, I, so much of this draft doesn't make sense to me. Um, it, 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 obviously, it starts with the Jordan Love pick because you have, now Aaron Rodgers has been clear that he wants to play for, what, five more years maybe um, in Green Bay, and you know, I, I, you, Zach, you know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, perhaps maybe declining a tad, but he's still very effective, still top 10 at the very, very least, probably better than that. Um, and so if all things go well in Green Bay, that's your quarterback for five years, right? 
Like, and that seems realistic at this point. He's only he's 36. We've seen guys Breeze, Brady, uh, Favre go into their 40s and be effective. So, tr- trading up in the first round to get Jordan Love, it seems. I mean, in in a best case scenario, in a good scenario, that's that's a useless pick because he will not contribute to the Packers for a long time, and it will not contribute by the time you need to make that decision for a contract extension. Um, and so I get, you know, kind of having that backup plan for if Rodgers uh, gets hurt, if he would retire early or, or uh, somehow have a drastic decline in performance. I, I get that. But uh, trading up, you know, four spots to get this guy does send that message to Aaron Rodgers like, okay, we're preparing to win without you. Because quarterback is the most valuable position in sports, um, it sends that message that you know you're here now, sure, and that's great. But we are already preparing for life after you. We don't think we're competitive enough with you to use this pick on something that's more valuable and more needy right now. So, for the Jordan Love pick, that's kind of my synopsis on. I just I did not get it. I jo- I remember I, during the draft I was joking with my roommates like, what if the Packers traded up here? And then they freaking did it, and I I couldn't believe it. So. I I need to hear what you are thinking because I know I I mean the first thing I'm sure you're going to say is well the Packers in 2005 they took Aaron Rodgers 24th and look how that turned out but to me this is very very different than that um, but I guess like uh, like I'll always say um, drafting quarterbacks is never a terrible idea it just sends a weird message right here so I absolutely see the difference between the situation now, between the situation in 2005. At the time, Brett Favre was mulling retirement for years, and he was he was beaten up every single year. You know, in, in, in 2005, Aaron Rodgers was, a, you know, a consensus top one, top two quarterback. But, you know, between him and Alex Smith, you know, on multiple boards, he was either the guy or he was the number two guy, and he somehow fell all the way to number 24. At that point, that it was like a, a no-brainer for Ted Thompson. I wouldn't say he fell into... You know Ted Thompson's lap, but that was like, you know, how are you not going to take that guy when you have a 36-year-old Brett Favre, you know, at, at that point, who had already been contemplating retirement? So I get the differences between these two situations, but to trade up for a guy who was undoubtedly, you know, a top-five quarterback in this class, and Jordan Love, you know, coming out of Utah State, you knew he was going to be a project. You knew he was going to be this developmental prospect who had to sit for a few years, who had to learn in the right environment, in the right type of situation, what better situation than in Green Bay learning behind someone like Aaron Rodgers? In this class, the Packers may not have felt like there was a player that was going to be... I mean, Brian Goodkins even said this. There may not have been a player coming out that was going to be able to help their team right away. That was going to be able to make that immediate impact in year one, which me personally, I don't don't agree with yeah, the the receivers were loaded this year. But that's the outside perspective. Maybe these guys who, you know, undoubtedly they know they know more than us. You know, these guys are professional NFL scouts, professional executives. They know more than us. There's no doubt about that. Maybe they, you know, the the perspective internally is different than than externally than what we believe. And you know, guys like Jalen Rieger, Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, who the Vikings picked up, and I was extremely high on. Maybe you know the Packers didn't feel the same way. Maybe other teams didn't feel the same way. Who knows? I feel like they could have grabbed someone. I would have grabbed someone if I was if I was. 
commander in this front office i would have grabbed someone and they probably would have been able to make an impact in year one that's what i would have done the packers didn't do that they grabbed a guy who was going to sit behind aaron Rodgers, learn behind aaron Rodgers, and there's not going to be that same tumultuous relationship between jordan love and aaron Rodgers that Rodgers had with Favre. You sure know, about at that? least as far as we know. As far as we know on the surface. <laughs> as far as I we mean, know. Apparently, okay. apparently Rodgers has already reached out to far uh, uh, to Jordan Love. Right. See, I'm, I'm already drawing comparisons right now. Um, that's as far as we know. You know, on the surface. You know, we can only go off of the information that we have available to us right now. But the Packers have a way higher perception of their roster right now than than. A lot of people do. I mean, they still have a guy named Equinemius St. Brown who missed all of last season because he was on injured reserve. Now, that guy is probably going to have a higher impact on 2020, if he can stay healthy, than any of these rookie receivers would have coming out because he has that familiarity with Aaron Rodgers from their 2018 season. I see you nodding, Drew. I don't know. Well, if I'm not even like, wow, we got the spicy takes flowing already. I like it. I, I do I, like St. Brown, but I wouldn't go that far. You're talking about the Notre Dame kid, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like him. He's a good. He's a good prospect. Yeah. Okay. He showed some good stuff in 2018. I think he's going to have a higher impact than any of these rookie receivers coming out. Just just because he has a familiarity with Rodgers already, he has that. He has that edge. He's already, he already came to the league. He had that 2018 season. He knows kind of the ins and outs of this league already. If he can stay healthy, then he's going to be able to kind of put it together. He's, he's going to have increased snaps, too. And in this new offense that they're transitioning into, which we'll get into later in the show, I'm assuming, there's going to be a little less dependency on him to step up and produce, as well as some of the other receivers on their roster. Now, transitioning a little bit back to Jordan Love, like I said, he's in the best possible position. Rodgers, it's not even going to be fathomable to get for him to, to leave the Packers, to trade him or release him until at least after the 2021 season. That's when it becomes, you know, like financially, that's when it becomes viable. That's when it becomes even remotely possible. His contract expires in 2024. Now, at that point, I don't know if a better quarterback prospect is going to come along and maybe the Packers move on from Jordan Love or maybe Jordan Love becomes trade bait or maybe by then Jordan Love is the future. As far as we know, like I said, the information we have available to us right now, Jordan Love is the future. This is the guy they want to groom behind Aaron Rodgers and we see the flashes. We see the flashes of potential, of promise, of a guy that could be special and I mean, this is the best possible scenario for him. You go to Green Bay, they trade up four spots to get him, number 30 and 136, go to 20 to, to number 26, and you, you get this guy who you see flashes of, of a young, reckless Brett Favre and, and the same type of reckless, gun, uh, the, 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 type of, the type of gunslinger, the, the flick of the wrist that, that Patrick Mahomes kind of kind of. Uh, oh, kind don't of you had. dare. I don't am you serious. dare say these days. I'm not I'm not saying he's a ta- he's the same type of quarterback as Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But if you t- flip on the Utah State tape, you see the same type of stuff that Patrick Mahomes puts on. Okay. I'm not saying he's you know as efficient as Patrick Mahomes, and he's as great as Patrick Mahomes, or he's going to be the you know a future Hall of Fame quarterback. But he has the same type of like you know the <laughs> the type of stuff like that. You know, just the effortless types of throws okay. that he manages the <laughs> tight let's, window. Let's break this down real quick. Okay. So there are a couple of things, first and foremost, that I agree with you on, that I want to give you credit for dealing with, because I'm sure you – it's not just us that are asking you these questions. There are millions of Packers fans that are asking you the same stuff. 
you know, there are hundreds of just NFL fans that don't understand what's going on. So I think you do bring a couple of nice points to light. First and foremost, this is the perfect situation for a guy like Jordan Love to be in. I, I don't I don't disagree with that fact at all. The second thing is, is I do think that there are flashes of talent. Now, anytime you invoke the name Patrick Mahomes alongside a rookie quarterback, someone's going to take it the wrong way. I'm not going to be one of those guys because I understand what you're talking about. I understand the point that you are making. The flick of the wrist, the big, strong body, the kind of the recklessness that's almost like magic. You can see the these. script. Yes, exactly. These are types of traits that you can see by turning on one game of Jordan Love. I will give you those. I will give you that. Okay. The things that I don't like, and I honestly, I think the biggest problem with this draft isn't the player that they selected in the first round. It's the fact that they selected a quarterback that pisses people off more than anything else. Just because this is a 13 and three team. And granted, there are people, two of them are on this show, who don't think that the Packers were as good as their 13-3 and record last year and, and that they probably you know, were going to take a step back regardless of what prospect they took in the first round. But ultimately, if you're 13-3 and on the cusp of a Super Bowl, the NFC is, I'm not going to say it's not strong, but the best teams right now in the NFL, the two best teams, they're two AFC teams, right? Baltimore and Kansas City, I think pretty unanimously heading into next year are going to be the top one and two Super Bowl picks. So the NFC is not as strong as it necessarily it once was. In my mind, I look at the Packers roster, I look at this, you know, the situation they have, if you put a first-round wide receiver on that team or you put a game-breaking, you know, defensive lineman on this team, all of a sudden, you know, you've got some really, really nice pieces that already are on this roster. And I think that you can expect to step forward from your cornerbacks, too. Guys like Jair Alexander, who have been kind of up and down, we might see more consistency from a guy like that in his, what, his third year now? Jair's good. Jair's really good. Exactly. So here's my point. This is what I'm trying to get you to kind of break down for me, Zach. It's just that, are you pissed about the fact that you drafted a quarterback? Do you think, like, you know... Do you think that they made the right decision for 2020 by drafting a quarterback at 26 overall? Me personally, I'll I'll break it down in a sense from my perspective and their perspective. Me personally, like I said before, I wouldn't have drafted a quarterback. That like seeing them like all the pre-draft interest leading up it was all about how much they loved jordan no pun no pun intended how much they loved jordan love and how high the interest was and how they were having all these meetings with him and then you find out about the the one hour zoom call he had with some of the you know the personnel staff you know and you kind of you had that gut feeling that it was gonna happen i you know i wouldn't i i I was hoping it wouldn't you know and then and then it did i wasn't into that from their perspective, it goes back to what I said about their their perception being a little different from the general fan perspective. That 13, and, and to what you said as well, they had a 13-3 team that made it to the NFC title game with a first-year head coach, swept the NFC North. Right. It's impressive. It really is. I don't like and, it, but it's impressive. Yeah, and... Their perception of that roster, they feel like they're a lot closer maybe than than people believe. They feel like maybe they didn't need that game-breaking receiver added to their roster or that 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 
stud linebacker. I mean, they signed Christian Kirksey in free agency. Maybe they felt like they just needed to, just to plug in a guy, maybe that one-year kind of stopgap guy. And, you know, maybe they felt like finding that quarterback was a luxury pick, especially when, you know, you're trading up for him. I mean, they really, really wanted Jordan Love. And then you hear Brian Gutekunst mention that that's the hardest position in sports. And when you have the opportunity to find that guy and to strengthen that position, I mean, especially when you when you put it this way, Aaron Rodgers is 36. He's had two broken collarbones in 2013 and 2017. Thank you, Vikings. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, We're not proud of that, by the way. Some of our listeners might be. Us too. We are not proud of that. But continue, please. <laughs> An uncomfortable amount of them are proud of it. <laughs> he had the calf tear in 2014. He had a minor cleanup surgery after the 2015 season. Uh, he had a, the tibial pl- plateau fracture and an MCL sprain. He's had a lot of injuries almost every single year for the last several years. And he's 36. He turns 37 in December. He hasn't had a, re- a good backup in a very long time since maybe back to the Matt Flynn days. And even then, Matt Flynn wasn't anything special. He just had a, you know, a couple of really good moments. So now you get him a guy, not only a developmental guy who could maybe be the future and maybe continue on to three decades worth of great quarterback play, but you get a guy who can step in and continue to help win you games in case Rodgers goes down, which could be very, very possible as he gets older. Um, so I, I, I understand the pick. You know, the more I kind of look at it, the more I kind of help you know break it down a little more, not just for you, but for myself, I, I understand more of it. And I understand the you know the justification behind it. So, yeah. It's <laughs> just like I, I'm trying to. First of all, let's. I want to clear something up. We haven't mentioned it yet. According to Ian Rapport on draft night, the Packers, when they traded up, were expecting, or had rumors that the Colts were trading up 26. The Colts didn't call, so the Packers did not have to trade up. From what it sounds like, I think that's funny. And I will laugh about it for a while. So I'm going to. Uh, but I want to ask, like, so let's just say I'm trying to think of a scenario where, like, Jordan Love, you know, coming in can impact the Packers. And it's probably going to – there's only one quarterback, right? Like, only one quarterback plays at one time. Like, it's right. not like receiver where, like, the Cowboys drafted, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb. And he can impact the team because there's more than one receiver that can play at a time. So, like – Let's say this after the Rodgers' contract, uh, or they can get out of it 2021 or whatever it is, he either is gone, he's retired because of injuries, he's whatever the case may be. On the Minnesota Vikings, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, so then Jordan <laughs> Love wish. comes in. Um, is that That's about the only way, and then he plays and plays well. That's about the only way that this pick is worth it then, right? Because do... Like, let's say Rodgers plays out all of his contract, loves the backup the whole time, and he does not see the starting snaps except for, like, maybe a Week 17 game if they've clinched or something like that. So you don't have, like, any sample of what Love has been like in the NFL. You don't give him an extension then, right? Because you have no idea. Like, you can't give him a lucrative contract extension. Jordan Love, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think at that point, then the the fifth year option kind of becomes really interesting. I think they're kind of just. 
I think the, like, the whole feeling right now is they're kind of just kicking the can down the road and they're just going to kind of evaluate it when it gets there. Because, I mean... If it gets there. I mean, it might not. I mean, Rodgers might if, be if it started gets the whole time. And then you have to just kind of guess on Jordan Love. That's the thing. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers between now and I mean, I don't want to say it, but we don't know if he could have like a career-ending injury between now and then. You know, you well, don't yeah. know... You don't know anything what's going to happen between now and then. You know, and... I mean, it's just it's just like a whole crapshoot, you know. And that's you're you're banking on the development of this guy, and you're banking on Aaron Rodgers not just playing out the remainder of his contract, but playing well, playing well to the point where you hopefully don't have to, you know, take that that 2022 out in his deal, you yeah. know, where he's where you're either trading him or you're releasing him, and you have some cap relief. You don't you you hopefully don't have to take that row, and the guy can hopefully retire with your team. But right. he has. So then, but then the problems. other part too is the the message that it. I mean, we all know what Brett Favre said on the Rich Eisen show. Like, you know, that was his perspective when Rodgers was drafted. Mm-hmm. But then the message it sends to Rodgers is. For what either, it's worth, there's a report on this too. It's a somewhat baseless accusation, but there was a report, and I think it was Bleacher Report who said it, that the the front office in Green Bay made this pick in part. Notice that prepositional phrase right there, in part, because they wanted to send a message to Aaron Rodgers. Which, if that's the case, that's ridiculous. Well, it's it's just, I... You're either saying, okay, we're giving up on the Aaron Rodgers era. Because, to me, you get a linebacker, you get a receiver. That can help your team immediately get over the top. That, in the NFC, make a Super Bowl perhaps win another right yep. um instead you are essentially telling Roger rogers okay we doubt your ability to carry this team anymore we're just going to start preparing for life after you right now and that that's just i i don't see how it comes off any other way to me that it, i would agree with that and to for rogers like i mean he his he just led the team to 13-3 record and it's a championship game the guy's got to be hoping for some playmakers, and we've we've made some comments about the Packers receivers. Uh, probably not some nice ones. Probably some that uh, you you would not like, Zach. But Devonte Adams, and then nothing I haven't heard at this point. Uh, well, yeah, it's, I guess that's true. I mean, again, I think he added David Funchess, mm-hmm. um, Lazard, uh, Geronimo Allison, Varkis Valdez Scantling, now Equanamius St. Brown. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but like no more, these no are guys that are very large question marks besides Adams. And so I, 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 I'm struggling to understand why they didn't go that route and how it sends a message other than Rogers, we're doubting you. We're trying to move on here. That's my perspective. I, I can get into that Please if do. you're ready to kind of. Yeah, dude. Yeah, this is you're supposed to be defending this. We've already we're already like halfway down with the show. Let's go. Floor is yours because this this kind of moves into the the AJ Dillon Josiah. Please do. That's a good transition for us. All right, perfect transition. All right. Um, Okay. So during the draft, those kind of rumors leaked out about the Packers transitioning into that run heavy offense, kind of leaning away from pass oriented stuff. And you kind of saw that that was that was kind of uh, you know cemented with the selections of AJ Dillon, Josiah Degara. 
you get this 247 pound running back out of Boston College and Josiah Degara, who is pretty much an H back, tight end, fullback. You can play him anywhere. Now, you saw Matt LaFleur last year. The Packers started emphasizing the run a little more. You saw AJ, uh, AJ Jones a lot more. He had a career year, which, you know, he's going to be making a lot of money next year, and I don't think it's going to be for the Packers. You know, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see that. Uh, and it's not going to be with the Vikings either. So, um, <laughs> Bobby we'll made the same face. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see if Dalvin gets paid. That's all. <laughs> um, so... Both of you guys know it's it's common football lingo. Run he, run you know run heavy offense, less opportunities for receivers, less receivers on the field. You get more more big guys in the trenches, more tight end usage, less dependency on receivers. This means with the Packers doing this this run heavy stuff, you're going to see a lot more a lot more linemen, a lot more tight ends, a lot more guys in the backfield. That means a lot more AJ Dillon, so he's going to be p- playing a big role. And you're going to be, I mean, this is in 2011. You're not going to be seeing, you know, Packers coming out five wide with, with a bunch of a bunch of wide receivers. You're not going to be seeing Marquez Valdez Scantling and Jake Kumaro playing premier snaps like they were last Jake year. Jake <laughs> Yeah, don't you dare forget him. Wisconsin will kill you. They're already so you're tried. Not... <laughs> Continue. You're not going to be seeing stuff like that in 2020. This is like the the top three guys. Those are like the premier players in the Packers offense next year. Devontae Adams, Devin Funches, and, and Alan Lazard. I don't know who who wide the number two wide receivers. I know it's 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 intimidating. I know, but uh, you know, and I don't know where Equinemy St. Brown is gonna. Maybe he'll play like a slot role. I don't know where he's gonna fit in, but you know that's all TBD. But um, that's what a lot of people are, are kind of forgetting about what's becoming of this offense like everything like on paper right now it looks not promising but it looks sustainable it looks like this offense could could be something i don't want to say special but it looks like you know it could be something creative because matt lafleur is going to find creative ways to get josiah degara involved it, you know via a lot of mismatches a lot of ways to kind of scheme things around him and kind of you know get him into because i don't know if you guys have watched his tape but you know i have not he, well, he was involved in a lot of different a lot of different ways in college, but yeah, it's <laughs> sorry. Listen, this is third round pick Josiah Degaro. Okay, show some respect. Right. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> the second round pick. Let's let's go a little bit deeper into AJ Dillon because I don't hate this pick if you make this pick thirty picks later. Okay, like AJ that... Dillon's a really good player. He really, mm-hmm. truly is. In Drew, 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 the comparison uh, between Dylan and Derrick Henry last episode. Now it's a little bit of a, a stretch, and we're we're trying to create some sort of like you know we're taking a guy who is at the top of the league. Everyone knows his name, and trying to. Like, I I did what 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 Zach did with Jordan Love and Patrick. Mahomes. Exactly. We're not saying thing. this guy is Derrick Henry. <laughs> You're drawing a comparison between a guy you definitely know and a guy you don't know probably a, a whole lot about. And when I say you, I'm talking about the general common sports fan, right? So mm-hmm. AJ Dillon's a hell of a running back. Do you have a problem with him being drafted at? What was it, 62? Yeah. If, you know, if you're getting a player that's probably going to be, you know, I, I like the Adam Jones point that you brought up about he's going to get paid and it's probably not going to be in Green Bay. So that transition, so that makes more sense to me than the Rodgers to Love transition. The Jones to Dylan transition, like that actually, like that could be realistic within the next, you know, 
18 months, if not sooner, so, potentially. Right. So he. So this is going to be – this is a pick for the future too, again. So Because I don't see a, a, the fit for A.J. Dillon this year. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams aren't there. Um, that, to me, I don't get that. But if they are doing this run-heavy thing, this – you know, they're bringing in a, a Jim Klein saucer – uh, in 2020 with DeGuara to play fullback tight end and whatever. And then they bring in this, this running back that um, could churn up yards on the ground. One of the best peer runners in the draft. Uh, I get it. I get it. Not the philosophy I would take, but I get it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll give them that. Yeah. I, you know, cause it's not 1982 anymore. You know, you don't need to kind of build your entire offense around, you know, running the football. So Thank I mean, you. yes. Thank you. But the Vikings have been doing way. it for too long. We're trying to get away yeah. from that. Yeah, I felt the same way though, BJ, about you know, like where the picks were made. I think that's a, that's an issue a lot of Packer fans have with the draft. It wasn't like, like, what the picks were. It was where they were made. I feel like if you take all these picks they made, push them back around. Yes. Then yes. That's, I, that's here's what you could have done. You could have not traded the fourth round pick. Still taking Jordan Love at thirtieth overall. <laughs> Use your second no. round pick on a receiver. A.J. Dillon in the third, DeGuara in the fourth. What, way better draft, right? I should be the GM of the Packers. You know what you could have done? Just don't draft at all. <laughs> to, don't oh, do anything. It, that's, uh, that's essentially what it seems like. They, I don't know how many of these players are going to impact in 2020. Like, actually make an impact. That's a good question, Zach. Why don't you... We'll, we'll close out your end of the show here defending your team with just that simple question. What do you see... Immediately, in terms of immediate results, what do you see from the cast of prospects? You, ju- you, that you, you just in? you just wrote something about this, didn't you? I no, I don't think that was me. Oh no, you're, you know what? Never mind. It was Ryan Schoberg. Yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Well, but, hold on. Let me. I got. I got to talk about AJ Dillon really quick. Yeah, yeah no. I. I yeah, Please do. Gonna, <laughs> um. I. I don't know. See, that's that's the thing. That's another thing that's kind of to be determined. I don't know if he was a thing. If he was a pick that was made predicated on the future, or if he was someone that was kind of, if it was a pick that was made to build this foundation of of really establishing this run oriented offense on. Because I don't know if they're going to want to, you know, establish this tandem of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, or if he's their future starter at running back. Like I don't, I don't know what the plan is. I just know they want to really pound the rock, and. The thing is, too, this is going to actually help Aaron Rodgers a lot, and maybe even a lot more than adding adding one of these rookie receivers. And I know both of you may may scoff at that, but this is, <laughs> this is even more <laughs> this is even more football lingo that we've been force fed our whole lives. You just pound pound the run, and with a successful running game, that opens up the play action, and that makes things oh, yeah. a lot easier. That Kirk makes Cousins, twenty nineteen. Yeah, we hear all about that uh, that little yeah. myth. I yeah. <laughs> well, for good for good running games, it works, <laughs> and that opens up. That makes <laughs> that makes things easier for the quarterback. So that's gonna that's gonna make things easy, even easier for Aaron Rodgers. Things easier for Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Devin Funches, whoever's out there catching passes. It's not gonna be Jalen Rieger. It's not gonna be Brandon Ayuk. It's not gonna be any of these rookie receivers. It's gonna be who they have in house, whose who, who whose jump in 2020 that they're counting on. They're they're counting on the in-house development of these guys. Now, to kind of transition into the... Um, immediate impact. Immediate impact, there you go. Uh, which one of these guys is going to have the immediate impact this year? None of them. I think... Okay, out of this class, 
I think you're going to see an immediate impact from AJ Dillon. You're you're going to see some good stuff from uh, Josiah Degara, but especially like in his position, like like a tight end kind of back role, it's going to take a little longer for a guy like him to kind of really develop and you know establish himself in the offense. So not him, but AJ Dillon, um, and John Runyon, the offensive lineman they took in the sixth round, the first of the three offensive linemen. Um, I just think he, he he's someone who can actually compete at right guard, even though they have Billy Turner and he's still in the middle of kind of a big deal that they signed him to last year. Uh, I think he can actually compete for a starting position. Maybe not right out of the gate, but within either so, this year or next year. Okay. So you have a, so your, your guys that are going to make an impact this year, just so I'm getting it right. Yes, two guys, Drew. A two run, guys. No, but even it, it, it's two guys, but one is a running back that's competing with a, a stud. The guy who led the NFL in touchdowns last year, by the way. Keep yes, going. yes. And then the other guy is a, a guard who might not start, right? Just uh, okay. Just make sure I got it right. <laughs> I think you got well, it right based off of the okay. reaction there. AJ <laughs> Dillon may not necessarily look. Okay, AJ Dillon, he's not going to compete with Aaron Jones, but they're going to form kind of like like, like a yeah. chance. No, I I I I'm with have you. more than two running backs, Drew. So Jamal Williams is the real casualty here, is what you're saying. Probably. Yeah, I don't because he's entering in contract year two. So, so I should I be willing to trade Aaron Jones in my dynasty league? <laughs> No, I, w- I would keep Aaron Jones. Okay. At least for now. Because now, too, this is another thing I didn't mention. Now with A.J. Dillon in the backfield, that's going to open up more opportunities for Aaron Jones as a receiver, which a lot of people are forgetting about, too. Hey, and during he that- was a good slot guy. Put him in the slot. Actually, just don't. Use yeah. him. Just use him. Please do yeah, something with Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah just, it doesn't good matter how you do yeah, yeah, just do something. Plug him in at tight end. <laughs> Whatever Actually, don't works. Do that. <laughs> well, that's true. I would say that the Vikings cornerback situation is happy that you did not draft any wide receivers. I would say that most they already, Vikings... they already can't handle Devonte Adams, so is... it's yeah, that's true. That's true. This is good. I mean, ultimately, that the way that your draft came out works well for Vikings fans. We're, we're happy. Very, with, very, we're happy with your well. draft because, like you said, I mean, you might be kicking the can down down the road. And hey, in two years from now, if Jordan Love is lighting it up, nobody's going to care about the Packers draft. They're just going to focus in on the the fact that they traded up four spots, regardless if they were trading up against nobody else. Okay, if he turns out all right, the whole draft is fine. Nobody gives a shit, and we're moving forward. Like that's just like that's great. So you have that to hang your hat on, but it needs to work out. If it doesn't work out, burn the whole thing down. Goot's gone. I mean, you, <laughs> everyone's got to go. Okay. If, so yeah, if it doesn't work, this is this might go down as the worst draft in in team history. And really, that's all I needed to hear you say. So let's move <laughs> forward here. Cut that audio clip. <laughs> um, now on the flip side here, um, the Vikings draft. So what's what's kind of fun about this show specifically is we're 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 going through the dynamic of you know Vikings fans reacting to the Packers draft and which largely was graded very poorly across the board as I'm sure you're aware. Um, the Vikings, on the other hand, and again we don't to go back to your point that you made earlier, we don't really know for sure like if this draft is good externally. The Vikings draft has been graded very well, you know, draft analysts, you and I. Uh, you know, the guy on Twitter that's saying racist stuff to defend his team. All of us agree that this draft looks good on paper, right? Hey, don't act like that guy doesn't exist. He's he's there. You'll find him. Okay. Um, 
my point being here is that the Vikings had it on paper a very, very good draft. That starts with Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney, Ezra Cleveland, Cameron Dantzler. Those are really the four guys that we'll focus on here for the latter of the show. So let's start with Justin Jefferson, okay? Zach, what do you make, as a Packers fan, from your perspective, what do you make of this pick? Or does it does it strike fear in you at all? Do you like Jefferson it? Like, as a prospect, do you think the Vikings made the right selection given where they were drafting, et cetera? Anger. <laughs> I'm cool with that. That was the... There were two receivers that I would have wanted the Packers to trade up for. Now, I am I, I am team never trade up for a receiver in the first round, especially in a wide receiver heavy class, you know, like like this one that, that we just saw. But Jeff, Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb were the two that I would have traded up for because Lamb was my number one receiver, and there were rumors that he would fall. Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy were going to be the top two guys to go, and of course, and that's what ended up happening. Somehow Lamb fell into the late teens, and I was pounding the damn table for Brian Gutekunst to make a move and trade up, do something, because that just would have been insane. Then Jefferson, Justin Jefferson fell into the early twenties, and I was, if he ended up a Viking, I would just would have, I don't know, I would have lost. Did the you do what you would have done? If yes, it happens, let's, yeah, let's just okay. put it, let's just put it okay. that way. Yeah. So you can sleep at night. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> My buddy, who's a Packers a fan, had like I think he had the same reaction as you did. He, he texted me when the Vikings were on the clock when we when the Vikings selected Jeff, Justin Jefferson, and he said I wanted that guy. And then he got to his pick, and he got Jordan Love, and he said I want to be a Vikings fan. So that was his that was his reaction. <laughs> and I imagine a lot of the people that you deal with on a regular basis probably had a similar reaction to that. Yeah. that select or I guess that slate of picks, as opposed. Uh, yeah, one thing yeah, I want to yeah. say is that I'm still like I love the Jefferson pick, like I I, I love it. I, I think he's a stud, uh, but I would rather have Diggs, and like I'd rather have what the Vikings gave up in that trade, Stephon Diggs, and then they didn't get what was it a first, fourth, sixth, or I don't know what it was, all the all the the trade. But I'd rather have Diggs. I think he's. I mean, Je- Jefferson's not going to be Diggs. He just won't. Diggs is better than any receiver in this class, in my opinion. That's facts. You'll, you'll get over it once you see Jefferson play. Give, yeah. give Maybe I will. I would be, that'd, be, that'd make me happy. That'd give it a couple years. He's going to be special. And he was everything that the Packers needed in a slot receiver. And he it's, just a real shame. Been... it's a real shame he's a Viking. It is. It is a real <laughs> shame, Drew. It's such a damn shame. <laughs> God. But, yeah, he was the perfect pick. He was, he was a perfect pick. And now he's a Viking. So, congrats, guys. I do, for what it's worth, I do think it's very difficult to kind of have a negative spin on that selection specifically. Because just what from what there was at 22, I mean, to me, you couldn't do better than Justin Jefferson. I mean, Eagles, if there's anyone that's getting it worse than you are right now, it's the guys who cover the Eagles. Because they didn't want Jalen Rieger. And then on top of that, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. So, they kind of did a similar thing to what the Packers did and, you know, drafting for the future and then also kind of avoiding the quote consensus pick which as you've noted does not mean a damn thing within you know um uh within front offices but it means something for pr purposes i suppose uh but yeah so justin justin jefferson it's hard to dislike that pick i honestly i just wanted to hear your react i just wanted to hear you say that it was a good pick because i don't know how much 
I, I don't know how much more there is to say. Like, it, it just was. It was a quality pick. You, you filled a need, right? You got a great prospect. You got a winner, you know, a guy who set records last year at LSU. I mean, it's hard to hate the pick. Now, the Jeff Gladney pick, a couple picks down the road in the first round, coming in at number 31 out of TCU. He's a cornerback. This one, I think, has a little bit more room for – I don't debate. think it's a. I don't think you can. Yeah, it, it, yes, it's there's room for debate. I don't think there's a way, a reason to hate this pick, but it's a little bit more debatable. So, ja- Zach, from your perspective as a Packers analyst, what do you see from that pick? I feel like you know at that point, kind of late, late in the first. I feel like that was a little bit of a reach. I would have taken him kind of like midway through the second. You know, if I'm the Packers, I would have kind of found a way to trade up for him. Uh, tra- you know, trade up into the second, but. I like him. I think that was kind of a really good addition, you know, and the Vikings really needed cornerbacks. I see a lot of that same kind of like Jair Alexander swagger in him, you know, that same kind of like in-your-face style of play, you know, kind of he just, he really pisses you off, you know, especially if you're a receiver going against him. That's like the kind of the last guy you want getting in your head. So I thought that was a really good pick for the Vikings. Um at, at where did they grab him? Twenty five or thirty one? It? it was thirty. They traded down from twenty five. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I thought so. Uh, 25 is the original pick, right? Yeah, you got that. Okay, so, um, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of. It helps that they traded that they traded down, you know. So you know they didn't stick at 25. That just would have kind of added. And you know, t- to me, it would have been you know a little a little richer. Still a little rich, you know, in, in in the 30s right there. But you know that was it was it was a good pick. You got you got a guy that you really liked at that at that spot, and. It is what it is. It's a good addition to your cornerback room. The one problem I have is that he's old, but he's like the oldest player on the in the Vikings cornerback room now. Like after just being drafted, I think it's I think he's literally the second oldest out of like seven guys. Um, oh, is, but he's twenty four, twenty three, almost twenty four. I think. Okay. Um, so, but that's the only knock. I think you know he's very feisty, and you'll hit that. You met, the attitude you mentioned is good, so I think that fits well with Zimmer anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the Vikings need cornerbacks more than humans need air to breathe so that 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 needed to happen um and so that it's it's a good pick it's a good pick yeah again like the the first two picks that the vikings made like yeah there's a little bit of room there you know i know that there was people that liked denzel mims a lot i know that he ended up sliding to the to you know to 46 and his value looks terrible now um, especially because he's gonna be playing on the jets and that's probably gonna make him a bust but all beside the point it's very hard to look at the first two vikings picks and be like all right they're trying they're do, going about building towards the future the wrong way. These two players both make sense for the Vikings future unlike the first two picks that the that the Packers make, right? All right. Moving forward here. Don't as, don't as, worry, Devontae Adams is going to give he's going to give Jeff Gladney a real good introduction. Oh, oh, we're aware. We're aware. <laughs> okay, good. Just, it's just we, <laughs> it's we just don't loop. know as long as the Packers don't have a number 2 option to throw to, we're good. <laughs> this is true. All right. Don't worry. Alan Lazard is all right, let's move on here to the number 58 overall pick, second-round pick, offensive tackle, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. Now, this one was, again, you're filling a need. You're getting – I think you got value here. There were some people that believed that Cleveland was a first-round pick. I think Drew and I have already established that we like him much more in the second round than we would have at number 25 overall. That would have been a little too, as you say, a little little too rich for my uh, for my purposes, I suppose. Uh, but you do get an offensive tackle, a, 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 a position of need for the Vikings for, what, the last decade, basically? Um, you get a young – obviously very young, too. 
Um, a very talented player, moves laterally extremely well. His testing numbers were off the charts relative to his size and relative to his position. There's a lot to like about this pick. Zach, is there anything not to like? Is there anything that's, that kind of jumps out at you like kind of a sigh of relief as a, you know, a guy who covers the Packers? Yeah, I, I thought he was a little slow. Just a little slow in, in the way he kind of engages and disengages blocks. And I like that you mentioned the value because he's a good second-round pick. He's a good guy to grab in the second. A lot of people were mocking him to the Packers at 30, mm-hmm. and I was totally against that. He was one of the guys that I didn't want at 30, along with Jordan Love. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I think grabbing him in the second round was a real good uh, pick as far as value goes. But, yeah, one of the things that really stood out to me was just how, how slow he was in, in getting off blocks. I feel like guys got around him really easily. You know, and I just, I, I, I wasn't a fan of having that guy, especially Manning. You know, kind of anchoring your offensive line, but you know, I, I feel like I feel like he has a, he has a chance to kind of really. It's not really something that that plagues you, especially as an offensive tackle. That's something you can build off, and that's something you can kind of improve with. You know, and and the Vikings, as you mentioned, they haven't really had stellar offensive tackle play for a very long time. So he Max. gives you a chance to kind of. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, he gives you to kind of not mitigate that, but kind of you know put that behind you. You know, you a plan for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just something to build off of. There's so there's clearly a plan for the Vikings at at, at tackle because so Zach's point about being slow, I think it is it, it's a it's a point about um like straight line, uh, not straight line speed, but like effectiveness and efficiency in terms of hitting the block exactly hitting the punch that type of thing because like agility wise speed wise he is very good um and he and brown and neil have that same uh like template right they're like us like a coming out of college are a little bit smaller in terms of weight uh but they move well and that's necessary for his own scheme so o'neill has turned out very solid um and we'll see if Cleveland can be the same. And I'm curious about 2020 where what's going to happen is reef. Cause reef is still there. Like Riley reef is still a person, whether we want to admit it or not. <laughs> right. So as for Cleveland is either going to be a guard, Riley reef might be a guard. Neither. Maybe they, uh, maybe Cleveland sits a year. I don't know. Uh, but I'm curious about that because I think Cleveland has the potential to be like O'Neill where he came in and was solid as a rookie. Um, but like you can't pay Riley reef 12 something million and then just sit him uh, to me, but who knows? Fair enough. You know, if we're going to make fun of the Packers for not drafting for immediate production, we have to flip that on the Vikings to a degree, right? Like with the Ezra Cleveland pick, given that I think it's fair from our, for our purposes, I think it's fair at this point in time to assume that he will not be a week one starter for the Vikings. Okay. I think that there's a possibility of it. Like, if he looks great in camp, you know, it could happen. Or if Riley Reef gets hurt, he might, you know, he might pay immediate dividends. But if all if all works well within kind of the Zimmer uh, style of grooming players, I don't see Ezra Cleveland starting before week eight. So if we're going to make fun of A.J. Dillon for probably not taking the majority of snaps at running back with Aaron Jones there, at least until halfway through the season – we can make that same argument for Ezra Cleveland being a project as well. So I'll give you that one, Zach. The last Thanks. one here that I want to go over, and then we can kind of shoot the 
shoot it, er, shoot the shit. Yeah, we can shoot. The, I can swear. I don't know why I'm avoiding that. Um, you swear all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> last, <laughs> the last one is <laughs> the last one is Cameron Dantzler, the cornerback from Florida State. Vikings select him in the third round, number not, 89. He's over. not from Florida State. Yeah, he is. He said Florida. No, he's Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Cameron. Sorry, my bad. There you go. That's my bad. Okay, so Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State cornerback. Big, lean, tall guy. It's good that you did that, by the way, because I probably have someone in the comments section yelling at me that I don't know what I'm talking about because I missed his school. But beside the point, Cameron Dancer, Zach, what, what do you think about this player? Uh, do you have – I mean, again, same type of question that I've asked you for the last several prospects for the Vikings. Does he inspire any level of fear for you? Does it bother you that the Vikings selected him from Does a it, Packers perspective? Is there anything other than the fact that he weighs like 12 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are what are his, how, what are his well, measurables? Six foot, like one seventy five. It, it's one eighty. It, so, one eighty eight on pro football. Was he reference. really on he pro looks football reference? A lot, it's probably lower than that in real life. He, I mean, he he looks like Trey Wayne's, but a little bit skinnier when Trey Wayne's is a rookie, which is saying something. That was that's what I thought when I first looked at him. Yeah, because I'm gonna be honest. I didn't I didn't watch much of him or like you know study much of him, but I know. Any cornerback is good news for the Vikings and kind of good news for the Packers because I know no matter what cornerback you guys have, no matter what cornerback the Vikings have, it doesn't really matter. So, I mean. Wow. I mean. You you guys sit there and wow me. Fair, fair, but wow. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I guess when going off of that, I guess, I guess. If, if Rodgers is playing off schedule, yes, there is a history of terrible cornerback play as soon as he gets outside the pocket. He has made magic happen time and time again. And literally, even when Xavier Rhodes was playing at an all-pro level, there was no one stopping Rodgers when he got outside the pocket. Yes. Hey, sir. You know what? You know what? <laughs> you know what? Week 16 last year, when the Packers were in Minnesota... That was one of the few times in the last several years, like dating back to early 2010s, that I've seen Aaron Rodgers play on script and like make throws out of the top of his drop. Which didn't so, make like, sense, by the way. So something's working? Is that what you're saying? Or you're yeah, saying something... it's not working? I don't know. <laughs> well, was, it's Anthony so Harrison, confused. Harrison Smith, more than the corners, probably. <laughs> you're I, think, I, I think we can say that with certainty. But... That yeah. was one of my least – I was at that game, Zach. And I actually won my fantasy football league on the Aaron Jones run. So like Same. It was, yeah, it, it was the worst thing of all time. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, the Vikings going to lose. I just paid 285 bucks for these tickets. Oh, but I won my fantasy league. And it's like, you know. Conflicted. A little conflicted. Yeah, I wasn't uh, – It wasn't uh, – smile. Yeah, it's, and I was sitting there with my buddy who's a Packers fan, and he knew the situation. And he, like, leaned over to me. He's like, you just won your fantasy league, huh? I'm like, we're down by, like, two scores now, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, but anyways, yeah. So Cameron Dantzler is not. I don't think he's an immediate impact guy for most teams. For the Vikings, it's a little bit of a different story. Just be given what you said. The Vikings need cornerbacks, and it doesn't really matter who they are. It really doesn't, as long as they can play a little bit and there's some room for growth. I think that's a good pick too. So, Drew, I'll just I'll let you finish out this segment here. Is there anyone else in the kind of the back half of the Vikings draft that you particularly like? For that you'd like Zach's um, Troy Dye is the one that, you know, jumps out, linebacker from Oregon. Um, Probably a guy that would the... fit with the Packers, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Real shame. <laughs> Real shame that the Vikings ended up scooping him up. But that's the one that just 
very productive, uh, has that leadership quality. That's that's kind of the one that jumps out. Um, but uh, otherwise, it seems like a lot of uh, just like prospects and uh, very high high ceiling, low floor type of players. That though, I mean, that's who you should be picking in the later rounds. But it seems like that's what the Vikings did uh, towards the end of the draft. And uh, but yeah, that Troy Dye one that seems to be the pick that I think has the best chance of working out. I guess. Every single mock I did, I took him in the third with the Packers. <laughs> Every single mock. And then the and first three rounds were receivers, right? Uh, a few of them, yeah, actually. <laughs> a few of them, I double-dipped at 30 and 62 with a receiver. <laughs> I would take, like, uh, I took Jalen Rieger at 30 and Michael Pittman at 62. <laughs> yeah. That probably would have looked a little bit better for... for yeah, yeah. I, as you can I, tell, I would have agreed with that. <laughs> All right, guys, so we've got about five or so minutes left here. Since we have Zach here, and since we are beginning to start to look forward to the NFL NFL season, granted, I suppose we don't really know if it's going to happen or not, but we can pretend, right? Um, Zach, how do you feel the Packers look heading into 2020? Are you comfortable saying that this is a team that's going to run the NFC North once again? Do you think 13-3 and is possible? Is this is this truly a first round buy type team once again heading into next year? It's hard to say because of this this weird playoff format. So that's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a fifty five so man the roster. First round buy is only for the one seed, right? Yeah, I think. I, I think. Okay. I'm still sort of unfamiliar. So you, they would have to be like the cream of the crop, the like number one yeah. team. So I don't think the that's two possible. seed plays the seven seed now. Something like that, yeah, yeah. There's seven seeds, I think. So I, I, I said the other day on uh, on another show, I said their ceiling is twelve and four, and their floor is seven and nine. So I cast kind of a wide net. That is a very <laughs> just, wide net. Yeah, just so in in the event that I'm I'm either very right or I'm very wrong because I have no idea how to gauge this team right now. If they're like their their transition into this run heavy offense could either go really well and their draft picks could could hit and plug in just right and all the pieces can complement each other perfectly or it's going to fall flat on its face and the entire team is just going to go to shit and the draft is going to just completely miss and Brian Gutekunst is going to look like an idiot Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed and be ashamed it would truly be ashamed yeah don't breathe that into existence that would be bad <laughs> <laughs> okay, Oops. on the on the flip side of that, Zach, how do you see the Vikings heading into next year from an outside perspective? From someone that I know for a fact can be objective and can look at this not just you know can look at this from a different lens that Drew and I just I've said this a number of times before. Like Drew and I try to be objective in everything that we say, but we just have inherent Minnesotan in us. Like there's always going to be some sort of blind spot there that we just simply can't see no matter how hard we try. So from someone with a true, pure outside perspective, what do you think of the Vikings heading into next year? You know, I've been high on the Vikings like every year since like 2015, since we were work, since all three of us were working at the bar rooms together. (laughs) Yeah. Five, five, five goddamn years ago. Since back then, every single year, I have either picked the Vikings to win the North in, in a very rare instance. I think that was like one time. Or I have picked them to be the runner-up. I think they're 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 a good a good shoe in for second place. 
I think they're a good shoe in for you know maybe one of those wild card spots if there even is a wild card. I'm still unfamiliar with these stupid <laughs> stupid playoff rules. I don't know what's happening. Um, I don't see I don't see the Bears, you know, do, doing no. very well with no. their 30 tight ends, or or Trubisky or Nick Foles, whoever the hell's going to be playing quarterback for them, uh, or or Jim Miller. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Uh, or the Lions. I feel so bad for Matthew Stafford. Um. Yeah, I think the Vikings, they still have a good roster, even with their deficiency of cornerbacks. I still like Dalvin Cook. I still like, you know, what what they can do offensively. I know Kirk Cousins is capable. I you know he's the brunt of so many of my jokes and, and so many of my memes, but I know he's still a capable quarterback. Um, nice. You know, I, I... Good to hear that. Yeah, you know, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say capable, though, because capable isn't good. Capable isn't bad. Capable is capable, which is a term... That's a term that gets that I think it's an accurate description. <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong, but you're not creating like division between Vikings fans the same way that Vikings fans do. It's either for Vikings fans, it's either he's uh, he's the best quarterback we've ever we've had since Brett Favre, or get rid of him immediately. We need to start building towards the future. There's no middle ground. Whereas the term capable, capable is it's just capable. That's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how better to say. It. Like that's that's what he is. Like Kirk, Kirk Cousins is the poster child for capable. <laughs> he literally capable. capable. <laughs> like that's that's literally what he is. And hey, he is. I mean, he is the best quarterback they've had since Brett Favre. Is he not? No disagreement here. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, yeah, he's the only one to win a playoff game since then, right? Unless nope, Case Kate, well, the Minneapolis miracle, if you want to count that as as a, a leg- but I guess it was a legitimate win, but it took a miracle, literally. Uh, but like, <laughs> so here's my hot take on the NFC North: the winning team or the the winner in the NFC North will have a nine and seven record this year or worse, because I don't think I don't think the Packers are again. You know, Zach, you know how BJ and I felt about Packers last year. They mm-hmm. didn't. They didn't look or feel like a thirteen and three team. Um, I think the Vikings are going to be worse off because right. you got rid of your best receiver, you got rid of your top three cornerbacks, you got rid of well, I, your second best pass rusher, but a guy who was a stud, Everson Griffin, unless he somehow comes back. So you got a bunch of production that's gone, and rookies just aren't. It's just not. You can't fill all that with rookies, and so. Uh, I think the Vikings nine and seven is about, you know, optimistically that's where I'd put them right now. Me too. And I think, but I think that could win the division uh, because I think the Packers are probably due for regression. To me, the Bears are going to be worse because they they are still the, the, just their quarterback position. It, it makes me want to vomit. The Lions are still the Lions, and Matt Patricia is still coaching them. So I think the Vikings can win the division, but I, I don't see them being a, a threat in the playoffs. And I feel sort of the same way about the Packers, but at BJ's point very much earlier in the show about the NFC being a little bit weaker. That also provides some optimism as well. I know it's a little bit of a different of a situation, but one draft class could, could help your team in one year. I mean, look, look what the saints did in 2017. That's a good point. That's when that was the one tackle in the corner, right? Lattimore and Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek. Yeah. 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 Ryan Ramchek. I mean, it's you know kind of I wouldn't say it's an uh, hey Vikings in 2015, I mean same thing. That's another one. Yeah. It you know it it happens you know every so often, so you know I wouldn't I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't put it past the Vikings especially you know in in, in a heavy class at certain positions like this one was it was heavy at tackle it was heavy at receiver, so 
who knows? You who's know? to say? Yeah, who's to say? I mean, all these drafts, you know, they look great on paper. They look bad on paper. Who knows? I mean, the Packers look bad on paper. The Vikings look great on paper. Who knows what's actually going to happen, you know? There's a you know, very that, real shot that of the, what, 22 selections between those two teams, obviously the vast majority being the Vikings, that there's only two Pro Bowlers out of the entire group. Like, that's a less. very... That's a very real scenario. That's just how the draft is. And I know it's easy to, like, to kind of go off of your guys' points. It's very easy to get super hyped or super negative about your draft class before we even know anything. It, oh, yeah. It, it's, it happens every single year. Well, when the entire NFL media landscape is saying the Vikings were a top three team in the NFL for a draft, and then they were, every single one of them is saying the Packers had the worst draft, it's very easy to for me to be excited and laugh and make right. fun of the Packers. Right. Of you know? course. Of course. Yeah. It's the, it's the mystique. The mystique of the draft that reels everybody in and spits it right back out when it's Especially all over. Especially when there's nothing else on TV. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the title of this episode: the mystique of the draft. <laughs> that's ah, there you go. See, I'm, I'm useful for something. <laughs> you are, you are, and uh, you're useful for a number of other things too, Zach. We appreciate you coming on here Thank and you. talking with us and taking a beating and giving us some sort of insight that uh, we're not capable of providing. So. Uh, Take a couple minutes here. Show, tell us about you know what you're up to, uh, where people can find you. Again, just I, I know we just made fun of Zach a lot here, but Zach is straight up my favorite person to follow for Packers news and information, and his analysis is on point as well. So, Zach, where can they find you? What are you up to, etc.? Yeah, I appreciate that, both of you guys, man. Um, do uh, if you guys are trying to follow me, you could find me on Twitter at Zach A Jacobson underscore. That's Z A C H. By the way, uh, hopefully you find me before I'm suspended again for the uh, <laughs> time. Um, and you can find me at PackerReport.com. I am the reporter there. I am a columnist. You can just read my work there. Do whatever you want to do. Give me a, you know whatever uh follow my colleagues there follow their work do whatever you want to do uh i'm totally totally accessible on there so i would greatly appreciate we're, it we're gonna do this again when the packers and vikings meet during the season this will be good i hope so because you said that last year and i don't think we did I, we like i said you're this is the first time we've ever had a guest it's just not something that we've done drew and i just every tuesday we just record at four and it's just him and we I. talk about the show for like three minutes then we sit down we record and then we're done like we don't even I mean we literally just off the cuff like don't plan anything and we just kind of go in we duck with draft prospects we look a little bit do some research uh, that's about it though so this is good though it's nice to know that we can do the same thing with you yeah yeah no I'm always I can always make time for you guys no matter what and we appreciate that. So uh, for the rest of you guys that are looking for Vikings content specifically, make sure to check out the Daily Norseman. You can find us on there. Uh, make sure to check out that comment section. Uh, I enjoy being on there, especially during quarantine. I spend probably too much time within the Daily Norseman comment section. So give us your thoughts on the show. Um, if you have any problems, if you, if you have a compliment, I'll take that too, by the way. Um, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc., cetera, um, and YouTube as well. This uh I believe Climbing the Pocket is kind of starting up their YouTube channel and really adding some uh, some heat to it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Please tell them to take that off. <laughs> so uh, thank you as always for listening to the show. Thank you, Zach, for joining us, and we will catch you guys next week.